Empire. Welcome to the first edition of Inside the Cap with Joel Corey. This is going to be a podcast which is focusing on the business of the NFL, NFL contracts and salary cap. Hopefully I can bring some insight or some uh, perspective on these issues based on my experience in the NFL. I was an agent for numerous years. So hopefully I'll have something to contribute to uh, this area uh, to help you guys become better acquainted, better educated on the inner workings of contracts, salary cap, and how it impacts the NFL overall. On this first episode, um, we're going to be talking about franchise tags. Uh, July 15th. 4 p.m. Eastern Time is the deadline for franchise players to sign a long-term deal. If they don't sign a long-term deal at this point, they are prohibited from signing a long-term deal for their own club until the end of the regular season. The regular season ends on January 3rd, uh, 2021. Um, 14 players are given franchise tags this year. That is the second most that have been given franchise tags since the way you calculate them changed in 2012. None of them have signed long-term deals at this point. Um, that's only happened in two other occasions since the 2011 uh, CBA was implemented, the old CBA. That was in 2013 and in 2015. Now, the problem this year is COVID-19 is complicating matters. Uh, teams overall haven't been uh, signing a lot of players to contract extensions or new deals for the most part. There's a lot of cautiousness because we don't really know what the financial landscape is going to be next year. The expectation is revenues are going to drop because the the pandemic and games are going to be played either in front of empty stadiums or limited capacity with limited fans. That's one of the dynamics that doesn't exist in a in any other year. Um, the NFL's asked teams, asked players to put 35% of their salary in escrow to kind of uh, be a buffer or hedge against the lost revenues. That's going to be a non-starter with players. The players um, want to spread the losses over the life of the CBA. Since the CBA runs through uh, 2030 season, They want to do it that way so the cap would remain flat next year or not take much of a hit and maybe remain flat for the next couple of years. Um, So we'll see how the NFL and NFLPA decide to uh, solve that part of the equation. But the uncertainty is definitely uh, one of the reasons that um, you haven't had any franchise tag players sign yet. But the NFL is a deadline-driven league, so we've got until Wednesday for the tag players to sign long-term. Um, I don't expect there to be any agreement between the NFL and NFLPA to push back the deadline because of the uh, uh, coronavirus pandemic. But let's take a look at the uh, players who've been tagged. Now, the one that garners the most attention, has the most interest, Dak Prescott, Cowboys quarterback. Cowboys and Dak Prescott have been negotiating um, for a new contract for over a year. 
haven't gotten very far yet, haven't reached an agreement. He was the only one given exclusive franchise tag, which meant that he could negotiate or shop himself to other teams. The other franchise players could shop themselves to other teams. And if they signed an offer sheet um, and it wasn't matched, their former team would get two first-round picks. But that doesn't happen. Hasn't happened in 20 years. Um, Prescott has signed his franchise tender, did it um, latter part of June. He's scheduled to make $31.409 million. Um, this year, if there's not a long-term deal, one of the biggest um, sticking points has been length of contract. He's wanted a four-year deal. Cowboys typically sign their best players to at least five new years on contracts, if not longer. Um, the longest deal is Tyron Smith, signed an eight-year extension when he had two years left on his rookie contract. Patrick Mahomes signed a groundbreaking contract last week, 10-year extension. Um, averaging $45 million per year, um, $450 million over 10 years, can make up to $500 million with incentives. That deal isn't really going to affect the negotiations, except from the standpoint that it's going to give Jerry Jones um, ammunition to keep pushing for his longer deal. He could very, very well say to the uh, Prescott camp, hey, if Patrick Mahomes can sign a 10, why can't you sign a five- or six-year deal? And what Dak Prescott's camp can take from it is the fact that now you're not going to make Jerry Jones, no, make uh, Dak Prescott highest paid player in the league. Um, that used to be uh, Russell Wilson at $35 million per year. But that market has gone up with Mahomes' deal uh, almost 30%. <laughs> so if Jerry Jones ever said, I'm willing to make you the second highest played, paid player in the league, then... If, I'm, if the the Prescott camp, Todd Francis's agent, is probably going to hammer Jerry on that. So this will give um, Dak Prescott and his representation a chance to push for a higher average than they wanted. One of the problems with Mahomes' deal is the fact that it's backloaded. And if you look at the new money and deals negotiated over new money, where you take what is the existing contract and existing years, that's set. It's what am I adding and how many new years. Um, is what the negotiation is over. That's why when you talk about an extension average, you talk about new money. But this thing is backloaded that Mahomes signed. It's um, after five years, it still hasn't hit 40 million per year. It's at 39.55 million. Um, after three years, you're at 37.95 million per year. That's not even the best in the NFL. That's um, still Russell Wilson at 38 million per year after the first three new years. And you're you're not at 39 after uh, four new years, 39 million per year. So that would serve as a ceiling. But um, Dak should be able to get above um, the Russell Wilson 35 million per year. Dallas has offered him right in that 35 million dollar per year range with guarantees, which are reportedly 106 million. Um, Holmes deal has 140 in injury guarantees, money that is guaranteed for injury at signing that converts to being fully guaranteed. Obviously, he's got other mechanisms which make it hard to get out of the deal totally um, at most junctures of the deal. But if I'm uh, Dak Prescott, I hold firm. And I anticipate if any franchise tag deal gets done, it's going to be this one, and the Cowboys will cave at the 11th hour. In 2015, the Cowboys uh, caved at 11 hour and got a deal done with Des Bryant. That was a five-year deal. Um, 
I expect the Cowboys to cave, give Dak the four. Uh, that's just my prediction. And it's going to be uh, more than Jared Goff's $110 million overall guarantees. It's going to average more than Russell Wilson's deal. The first two years will be fully guaranteed at signing. The third year um, will be guaranteed for injury. And the guarantee will vest early, meaning next year in 2021, we're talking about the 2022 year here, it's going to uh, become fully guaranteed. The skill and cap guarantees will kick in um, next March. So that's what I really anticipate the deal to look like. Um, If there is no deal done, then this is a situation which could easily go sideways. This it'll it could become a Kirk Cousins part two. Um, if you remember a few years ago, Kirk Cousins played out his rookie contract. The Redskins put a franchise tag on him and uh, lowballed him. They couldn't come anything remotely close to signing a new deal, and he played under a second franchise tag. wasn't all that interested in negotiating with them um, because he knew he'd hit the open market uh, the following year because the third franchise tag was going to be too absorbent. If Dak plays this year and gets franchised next year, it's going to be a shade under 37-7. So then, over two years, he's basically made $69 million, and then the Cowboys have a decision in 2022 whether to put a franchise tag on him for basically $54.275 million. If they didn't, he'd hit the open market. And if you let a Dak, if Kirk Cousins can sign the first real fully guaranteed contract for a veteran, hitting the open market, what would Dak Prescott be able to do if he decided to go that route? Uh, That would be a potential cause for concern if this deal doesn't get done Um, because it would take Dak Prescott having a major regression for him, not for it to really impact his marketplace um, if he played uh, played under the franchise tag this year. Playing this year under a franchise tag will be a lot easier than it was playing out his rookie contract because it's a lot easier to play for $31.4 million as it was last year to play for a little over $2 million. So uh, I've heard some people say, oh, he wouldn't play for $31 million. I'm like, the hard part's over. <laughs> that was last year. All you're doing is the longer you wait with a good to great player, the more it's going to cost you in the long run. So if you get to next year and you're talking a franchise tag of $37.7 million practically, that's going to be the starting point of negotiations. Out of all the franchise tag guys, I think that's the one um, that gets done. All right, let's turn our attention to some of the other franchise tag guys. Derrick Henry of the Titans was given a franchise tag at $10.278 million. Running backs, the ones who've gotten paid a ton of money recently, haven't really uh, lived up to expectation. Haven't been great value. Um, so this could be a difficult deal to get done in the next couple of days. Personally, I would be reluctant to pay a running back just because I have a shorter shelf life. Now, one of the things that the Henry camp is going to look at is that Christian McCaffrey reset the marketplace um, right before the draft, signed for um, a little over $16 million per year. So they're going to look at that as an indication of the running back market. Now, Henry was, was great last year, particularly in the playoffs. Titans made an unexpected run in the AFC Championship game, and he was the driving force behind their success. Um, he was the engine that drove the train. Uh, they don't get there without him. Led the NFL in rushing last year. Tied for the most rushing touchdowns last year. 
um, since the middle of the 2018 season. He's been the NFL's most productive ball carrier. But there's one thing or one common denominator with these guys who are paid at the highest level for running backs. They all have dual threat capabilities. Derrick Henry doesn't really add much to the passing game. If the Titans get behind and they continue to use him where they have um, previously, he's effectively neutralized in a comeback situation. Um, McCaffrey, uh, Marshall Fox caught him a better version of him, who may be the best dual threat running back to ever play the game. The other guys who've gotten paid also have the ability to catch the ball at the backfield. Um, Henry is more of a throwback to yesteryear, but he is still the Titans' best offensive player. Um, we'll see if this thing gets done. One interesting wrinkle here is that their cap guy, uh, Vin Marino, has been negotiating contracts with them for well over a decade. He was around when they gave Chris Johnson a monster deal in 2011, averaged almost 13.5 a year. And Chris Johnson only played one new year on the deal. And basically it ended up being a one-year extension, averaging about $28 million, $29 million per year before they released him. So that may be in the back of the mind of Vin Marino, the contract negotiator, that we got burned on a running back before and don't really want to see that happen again. Chris Jones, Chiefs defensive um, lineman, is another interesting case. He's got a $16.125 million franchise tag. There's been a lot of talk about how the Mahomes deal would affect a long-term deal for um, Jones. It really doesn't from a cap standpoint because Jones is kind of self-contained that if you did a long-term deal, the Chiefs will pick up cap room. And by that, I mean he's counting on the cap at $16.126 million automatically. When you, when you tender someone, their tender counts as soon as you uh, place the tender on them. So if they did a long-term deal, and I'm just going to give you an example hypothetically how it would work. Uh, let's say he signed a five-year deal and it had a $25 million signing bonus. Then, no, let's say it had a $20 million signing bonus. Let's say that $20 million signing bonus. And you gave him a $1 million base salary. The signing bonus would be prorated for five years. $20 million on the cap would count $4 million for each year of the contract. He had a base salary of $1 million and no other compensation. So his cap number in 2020 is $5 million. Right now it's $16.126 million. So you would be picking up over $11 million in cap room if you did a deal with Chris Jones in this manner. And the Chiefs are a team which like to, uh, at least previously, uh, sign players to contracts where you have a uh, small first-year cap number than it balloons in the second year. Uh, that's not the bigger issue. The bigger issue is do the Chiefs want to have two $20 million per year pass rushers? Because that's really the market that Chris Jones is going to be looking at. Um, last year, they went out and signed um, Frank Clark, made a trade as a franchise player, signed and trade um, with the Seattle to acquire him. And they signed him for a shade under $21 million per year. Um, I always thought that was going to be a problem. I mean, I say that because anytime you take care, from my experience as an agent, anytime you take care of an outsider, the insider who's been highly productive is going to become a little miffed at that. (laughs) I say that because I had a number of conversations with players throughout the years of being an agent where they would call and complain. I can't believe they're taking care of someone who hasn't done anything for this team. And I think that still holds true uh, in today's game. Um, The players look at it that way. And then to compound things for the Chiefs, um, 
when Indianapolis uh, traded for DeForest Buckner in March, they signed him to a deal averaging $21 million per year. Jones, um, 2018, set an NFL record for um, posting a sack in 11 straight games, had 15 and a half sacks this, that year, 2019. Um, missed a couple of games, didn't quite get to double-digit sacks, but nonetheless, if you're going to sign Chris Jones long-term, it's going to be in that neighborhood. So the Chiefs have to decide, do they want to have two $20 million per year, $20 million per year pass rushers along with having um, the highest paid player in the league. Uh, Jones has also um, hinted at the fact that he's not going to play if he doesn't sign a long-term deal. He brought up uh, Le'Veon Bell's name. Um, uh, Bell didn't play in 2018. He sat out rather than um, playing under a $14.544 million franchise tag. There's one big difference between the Jones and Bell situations. Bell had a little bit more financial security um, than Jones. That's because um, he waited until he got franchised twice before he made his uh, hardline stance. So Jones has made basically 6.1, 6.2 million um, off of the four years of his rookie contract. So we're talking about a uh, franchise tender almost three times as much. Um, so I kind of take that for a grain of salt. Um, Jones is one of three guys who hasn't signed a franchise tag. We'll talk about those other two. Yannick Ngakwe, the defensive end for the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, hasn't signed his franchise tag either. His franchise tender, um, $17.788 million. Uh, he's wanted out of Jacksonville. Uh, last year, they tried to negotiate a long-term contract. Didn't go well. Um, left a bad taste in his mouth. He had a brief training camp holdout. Only reason he came back last year was he needed to get the accrued season. Because uh, the rules at the time were if you didn't report at least 30 days before the first regular season game, then you weren't getting an accrued season, which is a year service for free agency. And he wouldn't have been unrestricted. Release his contract wouldn't expire. He would have been a restricted free agent and would have made things a lot worse. He's asked for a trade. And the Jaguars haven't accommodated him yet. I think last year the fact that they got a king's ransom for Jalen Ramsey means they're going to drive a hard bargain. He's been very adamant he's not playing in Jacksonville. So easiest solution to this one would be to go ahead and trade him. Um, Because if he is that dead set on not playing in Jacksonville, he might be the one as opposed to Chris Jones, who uh, starts sitting out the regular season. Um, Last year, Jones was in the same boat as um, Ngakwe, and he reported to camp on time. Um, So I would expect this one to be the one with the most acrimony. Um, A.J. Green, Bengals receiver, also hasn't signed um, his franchise tag. His tender is $18.171 million. Uh, This one makes a lot of sense to play on a franchise tag. Uh, Green, when he's been healthy, has been one of the uh, better receivers in the NFL. Uh, he just hadn't been healthy a whole lot. Last year, he had an ankle injury um, at the beginning of training camp, had surgery, didn't miss the whole year, um, missed the whole year, didn't play at all, turns 32 at the end of July, missed six games in 2016 with a hamstring tear, played nine games in 
um, had a toe injury, which also needed surgery. Had um, career lows in receptions and yards in 2018. This kind of screams um, play on a franchise tag to me. And the thing is, if you haven't signed a franchise tag, it gives you a little more um, rights. If you've signed your franchise tag, and those only three that haven't, you are contractually obligated to show up when training camp starts and perform services. And if you don't show up, you can be fined $50,000 per day. So the guys who have signed the franchise tags, they're showing up. These guys basically get a free holdout because they're not under contract. Teams can't find them. They'll sign whenever they want to sign. And for each week of the regular season, if they miss it, that's one-seventeenth of the tender they don't get. Technically, uh, your one-year deal is negotiable, and you could sign for more than your tender. It just hasn't happened yet. You can do what Jadavion Clowney did last year to sign your one-year tender, to sign a one-year contract to play is get a clause which prevents um, you from being franchised the following year. It's rare. Uh, Clowney was the first one over a decade to get one of those. But you have more leeway, more options. We had uh, two guards that were franchised this year. Um, one was a major surprise in Joe Thune of the uh, Patriots. Um, his tender is $14.781 million. Um, nobody really saw that one coming. Um, and guards hadn't been franchised since 2011 when the Patriots um, – franchised, um, I mean 2011, yes, when the Patriots franchised uh, Logan Mankins, first time since then. Uh, typically when you have a good offensive guard in his prime hit the open market in recent years, he set the market. Um, so that would have been the expectation um, for Thune if he had um, actually become a free agent. Um, right now, highest paid guard is Brandon Brooks, at a little over 14.1, he signed extension um, with the Eagles midseason, uh, four-year extension at, at 56.55 million um, overall dollars. Thune has uh, the same age as Kirk Cousins, so <laughs> he's more likely to embrace the franchise tag, knowing that odds are they're not going to put a fr- second franchise tag on him at a little over 17.7 next year. If you're going to get him to sign a long-term deal, it's going to be north of Brandon Brooks. Um, so I don't see that happening. Uh, Brandon Scherf with the Washington franchise is the other guard that's been franchised. Um, reports are that talks haven't gone all that well. His franchise tag is a little bit higher uh, than Thune's. It's $15.03 million because he was a first-round pick, had a uh, fifth-year option that he played on last year of $12.525 million. His is 120% more than the fifth-year option. Scherf has a little more of importance to the Redskins now, at least to me, to keep him long-term, not the Redskins, excuse me, uh, the Washington franchise, to keep him long-term, because they traded their disgruntled left tackle, Trent Williams, to the 49ers, so I think they really need to uh, make sure he doesn't walk out the door either. His franchise tag next year would be $18.036 million, 20% raise, so you're going to go over $16 million per year if you're going to get him to do anything long-term. Now, let's turn our attention to uh, the outside linebackers. There's something interesting going on with these guys. Uh, Matthew Judon of the Ravens got a franchise tag of $15.828 million. Um, the defensive end franchise tag is $17.788 million. Um, I've always thought that the edge rushers should be one category under the uh, franchise tag classifications, but positions haven't changed since they 
instituted franchise tags in the 1990 in 1994 that CBA which uh, brought about unrestricted free agency for all players because the functions are pretty are a lot the same edge rusher uh, outside linebacker versus defensive end Judon and the um, Ravens agreed to compromise um, where he's getting the average a hybrid tag of the uh, outside linebacker and defensive end tag so he's making 16.08 million on his tag this year. Uh, the Ravens typically have signed their franchise tag players long-term. Um, Juden had a career-high nine-and-a-half sacks last year went to the Pro Bowl. Um, they let Zadarius Smith walk out the door last year in free agency. He signed for $16.5 million a year for the Packers, so i got to imagine that's got to be the floor for Judon um, if they're going to keep him long-term. Plus, Judon knows that he won't get franchised a second time if um, – he plays it out, and Ronnie Stanley, their offensive tackle, who's in the final year of his contract, doesn't get an extension either. They'll, they'll franchise um, Stanley over him. Um, so this brings us to D- uh, Bud Dupree, Steelers outside linebacker, and Shaq Barrett, uh, Buccaneers outside linebacker. Both these guys have signed their tender, but they filed a grievance to be reclassified as a defensive end because how the – tender amount is calculated it's the, it's the position where you took the most snaps in the previous year on passing downs these guys really are basically rush-ins so it'll be interesting to see if they win their grievances for the higher tag or if they end up compromising and settling for a hybrid tag like Juden's but um I don't think Dupree signs a long-term deal in Pittsburgh he had a career high 11 half sacks last year, which was more than his, which matches combined total from 2017 and 18. We know that T.J. Watt is going to get big money, um, probably next year, um, from Pittsburgh as an edge rusher. This guy's going to join the 20 million dollar per year pass rusher club most likely. He's had 27 half sacks last two years, so are they going to pay two guys edge rushers huge money? Uh, I don't think so. Um, Barrett. Um, right now is uh, came out of nowhere last year. Had a league-leading 19 and a half sacks. First year as a starter. Uh, I understand why there wouldn't be any comfort level in signing him long-term um, because you want to see him do it again. Deal for him, I would imagine, would have to at least be comparable to Trey Flowers, who got 18 million per year and 40 million fully guaranteed at signing in 2019 free agency from the Lions. So we'll see how this whole uh, grievance process works out in terms of the tag position. Um, And that brings us to um, another defensive lineman in Leonard Williams um, of the Giants. Giants, to me, did him a huge favor in giving him a franchise tag. Um, First, I don't know why they gave up a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick to acquire him at last season's trading deadline uh, when the Giants (laughs) – had no possibility of making the playoffs. That's the type of move you make to try to get over the hump when you're going to make a push to make a run for a championship. Seems like the general manager, Dave Gettleman, doubled down on his um, uh, trade by giving a franchise tag. Because I can't imagine that anyone in free agency was going to be looking to pay Leonard Williams $16, 17000000 million per year. Because when you stick the franchise tag on the guy, all you do is raise the salary expectation. So now he's going to be looking at um, the agent will go, okay, you franchised me once. If you do it again, 
then that's a 20% raise, then the average of two franchise tags is about 17.75 a year. That's the market I'm looking for. Uh, so you just raise the salary expectations with the franchise tag. You could have stuck a transition tag on them for um, less money and let the market determine um, what his uh, deal would have been. And that number would have been uh, $13.134 million. And you could have the right to match the offer and save yourself some money. Um, the thing is, <laughs> you pay people to take down the quarterback, and he had a half sack in <laughs> All season last year. Yeah, granted, he had 31 total quarterback pressures um, when he was with the Giants in eight games, and that's a that's a good number. That's combined sacks, quarterback hurries, and quarterback hits. But half a sack for the type of money he's probably want, wanting, good luck with that. One tight end got um, was given a franchise tag, Hunter Henry of the Chargers. His um, tag number is 10 607 million. The deal that will probably be the best comp for him is Austin Hooper's. Uh, Hooper uh, became the first tight end um, to ever sign a long-term deal for more than 10 million per year in free agency. Uh, 42 million over four years, or 20 million in guarantees uh, to go to the Browns. Tight end market has been stagnant for years. Jimmy Graham was the first 10 million dollar per year tight end in 2014. He became the second one, signing for 10 million per year. Um, with the Packers a couple of years ago. So this market hasn't moved. Now, um, Henry's never had a true breakout season. He's been hurt a lot. Um, So if he ever puts together that true breakout season, he'll blow past the Hooper deal. And it may be better for him to wait anyway because the 49ers want to get something done with George Kittle, and George Kittle is going to dramatically reset the tight end market. And if he's working off of that deal, then that's going to be better for him financially if he can stay healthy and have that true breakout season. Finally, two safeties were franchised. Um, We had um, Anthony Harris of the Vikings and Justin Simmons of the uh, Broncos. Simmons is unique from the standpoint. One of his agents was hired um, as the Broncos contract negotiator. Uh, Rich Hurtado left CAA. So... (laughs) Since he worked for CAA, he knows exactly what um, Simmons wants. The top of the uh, safety market is Eddie Jackson. Um, he signed for $14.6 million on extension. He did in January. Uh, so I, I'd have to imagine that Simmons would have to be made the highest paid um, safety in football uh, to sign long term. Maybe it'll be the first $15 million per year safety. And with um, Anthony Harris... Vikings, there's been some talk that they might trade him uh, to break up what is probably the best safety tandem in the NFL um, with Harrison Smith. Um, That talk has kind of gone away, but he couldn't stop a trade if he wanted to because he signed a tender. Because one thing, when you don't sign the tender, it kind of gives you veto power, kind of like Jay Van Clowney did last year that he didn't want to be traded to the Dolphins since he hadn't signed the tender. He's like, I won't sign it to go here but I'll sign it if you trade me to Seattle, which is what happened. He had six interceptions last year, tied for the NFL League lead, so if you're going to uh, sign him long-term, um, then you're probably going to have to make him the highest defensive back in Vikings history. Currently right now, that is Xavier Rhodes um, at a shade over $14 million per year. Rhodes got released in March, but that is the highest average yearly salary that you have had for a um, defensive back in Vikings history. 
Um, so those are that's kind of what's going on with the 14 franchise players. Um, we'll see if any sign long term this year. Appreciate you guys for listening to this first episode. Um, hope you guys will be back. Spread the word. Um, share the link with your friends. You can find me um, on Twitter at Corey Joel. That's C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And also uh, write a, a regular column for CBSSports.com called An Agent's Take, which is on the business aspects of the NFL. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye.